Welcome everybody. We are live. We are live. My name is Jason Aponte. I am Andrew Pasquini. We're working. That's it. We're working over here. That's it. Let's go Niners. Let's go Niners. Sprint Ride Option Podcast. We are live. It's a new episode of the Sprint Ride Option Podcast. I am Andrew Pasquini, joined as always by Jason Aponte. And Jason, we made it. Football is being played tomorrow. We made it. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm missing Derek Jeter's documentary, so let's let's speed this along. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, there is at least news on something else that's been out there, so I guess we should start with whatever came out today about uh, a certain team inquiring about a certain quarterback, he who will not be named. He who will not be named, yeah, but we'll, we'll mention him since he is a little bit in the news, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, once again, being talked about in terms of trade, being moved, all that fun stuff. Per Mary Kay... Cabot, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, of Cleveland.com. The Browns will consider acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension significantly increases upon appeal. And I'm assuming it's going to significantly increase because if the NFL didn't want it to significantly increase, they wouldn't appeal it. So how high that number is, I don't know. I'm assuming we're going to find out Hendricks. He has said Browns all along, I guess. No, not even, not even that. Consider acquiring another domino has to fall. Like so many people are taking victory laps. Like the trade is done. Relax, <laughs> relax. You relax. have to find out. You have to find out how long the suspension is, if they will even increase it, because this is the NFL. And then the Browns still have to hammer out a deal since they're just considering it. If that happens so if and buts are out there but yet everybody's like well we told you it was the browns stop it everybody relax man relax sure they're considerate i consider many things people consider things all the time yes you know like it that's not we're gonna hammer out a deal like i don't the weird victory laps that are being taken right now on twitter are weird well can we say that it would make sense in terms of numbers and all that fun stuff per OTC the Browns have 48.4 million in cap space per sport track 48.7 so the money works the need works the question is and 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 my biggest concern on this is neither side has any leverage in this move right the Browns they they obviously will need a quarterback I know Jacoby Brissett I don't know how much closer to Kobe Brissett gets you to the playoffs than it say a Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm. The Niners, we all know, like I haven't made it a secret. Jimmy Garoppolo is on his way out. The Browns can negotiate around that. I don't know how this negotiation is going to work. I know the numbers do work because of the cap situation for the Browns. It makes sense. I'll say that it does. But in terms of how this is going to happen, I think there's a lot of steps to be that that need to be made. The first being the news. It's probably I'm assuming we'll find out tomorrow because I don't think the NFL does or I don't think the NFL does, wants Deshaun Watson stepping on the field in a preseason game with the situation going on. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out by tomorrow. And I don't even know how the appeals process would work on that. But a lot of things have to happen in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Browns. And that's the thing is the only way that this would have ever worked is if Deshaun Watson was gone for an entire year. And then you can think about it. But if it's still six or eight games, they're not going to make this move. It doesn't make sense to do that. It would have to be for the whole entire year. Who's to say that that'll happen? It's the NFL. It is the NFL. They have botched suspension after suspension after suspension. And you expect this now, even though they've done something that I didn't expect them to do, which is appeal to something that was 
was handed down by someone that they handpicked, you expect them now to all of a sudden be this shining beacon of morality and do the right thing? No, 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 no. You guys, the, the track record's not there. So yeah, maybe they're considering that, like in terms of a longer suspension. But like saying that it's going to happen for sure or it will, that's premature because the NFL has a terrible track record of doing the right thing and especially doing the right thing by women in the NFL. Yeah, and you hope this is the one they finally start changing that perception of we can't trust the NFL getting it right. And we hope this is the one that Goodell finally puts his foot down on this type of stuff because I think the reason it constantly, and I don't want to get too deep into this conversation. We're, we're here to talk Jimmy Garoppolo, but you, we've seen this taken not seriously from the NFL. So obviously that's the first big step. And, and it, it might be a good thing for the Niners, for the Browns to get their hat in the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, because I, there was really no other reason for any other team to trade him for him at this point. I know the giants have been talked about. They could still say, Hey, we got Daniel Jones on his rookie deal. We could ride out one more year with him. Obviously, the reports of the Seahawks, you can say, hey, we have two quarterbacks that have starting experience in the NFL. We don't have to make this move. And, and there's other teams like the Steelers, too, kind of the same situation. First-round quarterback, they have Mason Rudolph, they have Mitch Trubisky. Why would they need to trade for him? It's obviously back to the conversation we've had so many times, Jason, of where are the trade options at this point? And it might be the Browns are one now because of this. But as you said, we have to find out what the actual – suspension is going to be because if it's let's say they bump it up even to 12 you could still stay above water and then get Deshaun Watson back for the playoffs right you mm -hmm. you can be fine with Jacoby Brissett I think they understand I think and they as the Browns is maybe Jacoby Brissett gets you to the playoffs I don't know but I think Jimmy Garoppolo like you have that more more confidence that hey we you've seen Jimmy Garoppolo do it a few times right all by himself obviously no help he did it all by himself right Jason uh but I don't know how much of that trust you could put into Jacoby Brissett so let's see where the suspension goes because if it's a full season I think the Browns would be all in on him they have the money to make it work they have the cap space Jimmy Garoppolo would I know maybe the Browns could try and negotiate him down to a better deal but they have the cap space to really make it work so it, it could be the match quote-unquote made in heaven obviously a lot of hell had to happen to get to this point but quote-unquote match made in heaven yeah, well, the thing is, too, is it becomes what's the sense of urgency for the Browns, right? Do you want to get him in because you want him to learn the playbook? Or do you just sit there and wait for the inevitable and the 49ers cut him? And you know what? You start Jacoby Brissett one game, two games, while Jimmy Garoppolo gets up to speed. I mean, why trade assets for a guy that would, for all intents and purposes, be cut right before mm -hmm. week one? Yeah. So what's their sense of urgency in terms of, we need to get this guy over here now so he can learn or we want to get him here so we can make sure he gets here. I understand that sentiment, but why not even just let us see how this plays out? Because the 49ers have to make a move. They have to, and they mm -hmm. will when, when it's a push comes to shove. So you're going to send an asset for a guy that you might be able to get for less money and sign a deal for it, which is probably going to be more money that he would get somewhere else because he would be a starter. Why on earth would they send assets to the 49ers when they could just sit around and wait for him to become a free agent. Yeah. And that that's kind of the, been the, our, our side of the argument, right? Jason, you can't say Trey Lance is the guy yet because you're going to shoot your foot on trade negotiations, all that stuff. And the Niners have finally done it. So now we do live in this world where we can, we can talk about the Browns don't have to do anything. It, 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 Jason, you're absolutely right. It comes to how quick the Browns want him there. 
if they're fine with waiting, because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be on this 53-man roster, right? It's going to be Nate Sudfeld. It's going to be Trey Lance. Whether or not Brock Purdy is there, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the decisions on the third quarterback on the 49ers. Brock Purdy is not going to make the roster. That that too, probably, right? But I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to magically be the third quarterback on a roster where, where Kyle Shannon traditionally keeps two, right? So he's not going to be on the 53-man roster. If the Niners, I think the second the Browns make a phone call and offer a tangible draft pick, right? You, you kind of have to take it. All right, if you're the 49ers, once you hear trade, whatever, it doesn't matter what they're sending. If they're going to yeah. send you a bag of balls, they're going to send you, um, you know, uh, you know, some, some, fine Cleveland delicacy, whatever it is that they, they eat over there in Ohio, you literally hang up the phone and you send him over. Like, it doesn't matter what the pick is at this point. I said this earlier. Someone said, well, what I think it was Brad. He posted, what would you want in a trade? I want this to end. Any other pick, <laughs> any other pick or anything like that uh, yes. is just, it's found money. I don't yes. care. I don't care. I want this to end. If you yes. get a draft pick, cool. I want it over. I want it done. That's all I want. I don't care. I don't care what it is. And if they say fourth round pick, awesome. They say sixth round pick, awesome. Don't care. Want it done. Don't want to hear about it anymore. And I promise you, I'm going to send out a very nice thank you tweet about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I will not tweet talk about this man again a day in my life, man. We have said on this podcast multiple times the thing we're most excited for is the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation to stop. Sooner it happens, the sooner. Hey, uh, Gammon, thank you for the donation. Browns need to sign Dr. Disrespect for 65-yard bombs. What a cannon. Wow. I, I didn't I didn't expect that. And he's six foot eight. Had no wow. idea, man. Uh, you know, Croc seems to be the, the guy who knows the most about Dr. Disrespect, and that's because of Rob Lauder. But, yeah, I I, I had no idea. He launched that thing, and he he's – pretty tall apparently he played college basketball on top of being a, a world-class video game streamer who knew it was it was on the money too i can mm-hmm. I, I can think of a certain super bowl where a throw like that could have been needed didn't mean to go that far with it uh i would love to have dr disrespect on the podcast too just to talk niners i think that'd be a fun thing to do so anybody who has access to the most popular twitch <laughs> streamer in the world let us know and maybe we'll Did have he, him on the podcast is it i mean and i think it was funny that that people you know, two time, right? That's the the blockbuster video game challenge. And I'm gonna date myself. I actually competed in one of those. Oh, and you I did? Got, yeah, and I got my ass whipped in the first round of NBA Jam. I thought I was gonna go in there. I was like, man, I play NBA Jam Tournament Edition all day on Sega Genesis. I was like, I'm gonna be fine. I went in there and got my ass whipped, man. So for him to beat everybody at that time, pretty impressive in my book. So Jason Aponte could have gotten to a point where he could have faced Doctor Disrespect in a world championship NBA jam thing. Right. Well, I tried, I tried that. It was, it was the biggest thing. I had a blockbuster in my town. I literally walked there and I was like, I'm walking out champion. I walked out a loser. All right. Uh, uh, BNA, thank you for the donation, man. There's a scenario where Jordan love balls out in the Browns trade for him instead of Jimmy G. Maybe who, who Maybe. else would be there? Who else would be there behind? They would have to send Jacoby, I, love, I think over there. I, I love with BNA that he he jokes so much with us as well that like I can't tell if that's I don't know if he's being yeah, serious or not. But... Like I could see it, yeah, definitely. Like I don't think the, the Packers have no need for Jordan Love. So yeah, let's throw it out there. Let's not throw names into the Browns situation though, because we want to keep it just Jimmy Garoppolo until it's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey Jason, I got one last thing just real quick I wanted to touch on before we get to the preview. Maybe my biggest concern out of training camp 
Kyle Shanahan was on Cambio, and I didn't see this much on Twitter today, so I, I don't know if you saw this, but we might have a Shanahan controversy going. Yeah, he's pretty pissed. Uh, quote from KMBR yesterday on the rules limiting his hat selection. Quote, I have such a beef with them right now without, uh, excuse me. It's a tough issue going on. They won't let me pick out my own one. They won't let me wear any one that's from a previous year. So I can't wear like an older one. I've got to wear the new ones they give us this year. Unfortunately, there's none like, uh, there's none I like wearing. So hopefully we can figure out our wait till salute to service. I am nervous about the Shanahan situation, and that's my biggest takeaway of camp. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that we're, we're hitting, giving you the hard-hitting analysis yes. and the things that you should be worried about. Uh, BNA <laughs> follows up his comment with, I'm begrudgingly dead-ass fam. Are you really dead-ass or are you dead-ass B? Like, you talking to the East Coast guy, so are you dead-ass B or are you dead-ass fam? So let me know, like, what one of those other things. I, I definitely am so things. lost by that. There's, th- there's, there's forks in the road for dead-ass as well? Deadass B, deadass fam, it's it's all over. Like, you know, you do whatever it is that you want to do with it. But, yeah, I did see that with that. And for anybody who actually got a chance to watch the the Brick by Brick, this is actually serious. It was actually really, really cool to hear that first speech from Coach, man. He, uh, You can say what you want. A lot of people have issues with play calling, things like that. I feel like he's taking steps with leading men. Yes. And they all believe in him. And that was pretty cool, man. Made me want to run through a wall. Like, he was like, let's, you know, he's like, let's fucking get to it, right? Like, let's he get said to that. It. Like, oh, yeah. Also, yeah. That was awesome. Any, that it, hyped me up. Any, anytime a football guy makes a quote that just says fucking in the middle of it about running yep. through walls or any figure of speech, like, I'm ready. I'm football ready. Hey, Jason, yep. smooth transition. We have a real football game to talk about, and we're not even really going to talk about it as a football game. I think it's more of an extension of camp because you're not going to get in-depth like, what are the Packers? What the, what the hell's LaFleur running over there, man? We, we know what he's running. We've seen it quite a bit. I don't think we're necessarily worried about it. Jordan Love's going to start at quarterback for the Packers. I think that's really the biggest takeaway. I know they have some names. Like, we're going to have some names to share, but – a football game at Levi Stadium, I think that's exciting enough as it is. We don't know how much Trey Lance is going to play. We know he's going to play in week one and week three. He's going to sit out week two of the preseason. I don't know how much we're going to see out of any of the starters necessarily, maybe a drive or two if that. But, Jason, just real quick before we get into the actual talk of the game, how excited are you for tomorrow that that real football is roughly back? Pretty excited. I just – all right. My optimism is with a little bit of anxiousness. What I need from this game is I need everyone to get out healthy. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. Um, One series for Lance, cool. But Trent's not going to play. Kittle's not going to play. Debo's not going to play. You know, with that makeshift makeshift line, get out of it healthy. And I think it's good for him to get in there, you know, take some game speed reps, and and, and that's fine. I understand that portion of it. But I'm going to be sitting there holding my breath every single down that everybody gets out of there healthy. That's it. That's all that matters at this point. And because the 49ers have such a weird preseason schedule where they're literally going to be playing three preseason games in like 15 days or something like that, like what did the NFL – what did we do to the NFL? This – the health part is really, really important. And I think we too, he'll be off, but the joint practices are going to be basically a preseason game for them. And I think that's probably going to be where you really get clued into where this team is because the third game used to be, there used to be four preseason games. The third game was your, was your dress rehearsal. And then the fourth game was just off. Like it didn't matter. Like you just had guys who were just competing for the last few roster spots. I think the joint practices are going to be really where we learn about this team. 
And the dress rehearsal will be maybe a quarter at the most. Mm-hmm. So, you know, used to be a half back in my day, man. But, you know, <laughs> I'm going to keep dating myself in this episode. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I just need everybody to get healthy. That's it. Don't care about anything. Everybody get out of there healthy. No bad, no bad vibes, no bad juju, nothing like that. Knocking on wood, everything. Yeah, and, and the 49ers, I'll knock on wood as well for this sentence. 49ers have stayed pretty healthy through camp, and that's something that you – you're happy to see, especially with the luck of the 49ers. And I want to focus on one thing you said in there really quick, just about the camp in Minnesota. I think we do live in a world where preseason games, I don't think too much decision-making is made in those at this point. I think a lot of it is camp and what you see in these joint practices, especially with three preseason games. I don't think there's going to be any position battles that are going to be settled. Obviously not in the first week of the preseason. <laughs> Shout out the Browns fan. Don't want Jimmy just rolling for set. Hey, make the dog, man. I hey, I've I've expressed similar sentiments, but hey, you know, heard you. Uh, but but yeah, I don't know how much decision making is going to be made in in preseason games, especially the first one. Camp is where we're really going to see it, especially with the shortened preseason and all that. Paul, appreciate it, Jason. Back in our days, players practice twice as much. Yeah, and less seemingly less uh, injuries as well. Yeah, I, so I feel like the niner injury thing has just been so recent. It's so here's weird. what's funny. Here's what's funny. People in different times and older than us they were built different basketball players used to play basketball games in chuck taylor's yes in, in the nfl they used to run two days with like the thinnest pads the thinnest helmets built different built very different we talk about the advances in the human the human genetics human body science right my goodness, man, these guys were literally <laughs> doing things that like are just completely illegal now. And you you don't want anybody to ever do. And they some of them made it out fine. Some of them didn't. But they were just definitely built different back in the day. The hot meme of like the dog in them thing that that was like if you had dog in you, you were an NFL player in the 1980s, 1990s. I think that's all it took back then, because like with how much they had to do and how much of workouts and practice and preseason and all that stuff like yeah they all had that dog in them so memes from the 90s there, there you go spirit <laughs> right off spirit right off your podcast has everything hey if you haven't subscribed to this youtube channel now's a great time to do it because andrew pasquini is just on fire with the jokes hey jason a position i'm very interested to see tomorrow is the cornerback position i think that's mm-hmm. the position we're going to get the most answers out of and we're not really going to get real answers from it charvarius ward has a muscle strain he's out a couple weeks emmanuel mosley has a hamstring strain he's going to be out another week a lot of (laughs) jk we love you a lot of first team snaps that happened on tuesday diamador lenore ambry thomas uh darquise denard got some snaps on the outside samuel womack played a bit in the slot we're going to see what the niners secondary this depth really is especially at the cornerbacks because no Ward, no uh, Mosley. Obviously, I don't think they were going to play even if they were healthy. But Ambry Thomas got a lot of buzz last year. Good, bad, everything in between. We'll see a little bit of him. Probably most of him tomorrow. Diamador Lenore as well. He got some run. And they also signed Ken Crawley after waving Leon O'Neal. Wanted to make sure we touched on that. Crawley's been in the league. This is going to be his eighth season. Six with New Orleans. One with Miami. I think this this cornerback position specifically is going to be the most interesting position to watch just because we're going to get to see what this depth actually looks like for at least a little bit. I I have a really good idea of what the cornerbacks are after those two guys. I don't want to be negative, but it was not good. Yeah. I mean, Lenore actually had plays. I'll give him that. The other guy, 
No, like it just, it, it, and it doesn't matter either, right? Yes. Right. All that aside, what can happen in these games? And again, football is very much mental and, and momentum driven and confidence, right? Like being able to fight through things. Every Thomas gets an interception, gets a pass deflection, things start to move in a different direction for him. He's not going to be facing the first team for the Packers. I mean, it's going to be Jordan Love. He'll probably get to see Romeo Dalves a little bit, but Sammy Watkins isn't going to play. Alan Lazar's not going to play probably. Like, none of their starters are going to play. So this is a chance to build confidence. Yes. And, and if he wants to get out of this slump that he's been in and can't, here's a good shot. And you do it in a game. Practice is practice. You do it in a game. I understand this is preseason. Do it in a game, and it feels a little bit different. So there's an opportunity here for those guys. I kind of know what he is, but there's that's not that doesn't mean that his book is written so or his story is written. So he has a chance here. Make a play here, make a play there. You start to pick it up. You start to feel a little bit better about yourself. You walk with a little bit more confidence. You play a little bit faster. You you don't get in your head. That's possible, man. It really is. So, and I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, also I wouldn't knock out the idea that Dante Johnson starts at one of those corner position spots, man. It's also like yes, that's <laughs> also a very real one as well. I just I, I was reading on camp yesterday, Lenore and Thomas were taking first team stats. Obviously, Dante Johnson. Hashtag pay Dante Johnson. So we've been on that train for a while now. We need to make it happen. They pay people. <laughs> we gotta pay Dante Johnson. Swiss Army knife of the defense, all that fun stuff. But yeah, you you're absolutely right. The confidence because Ambry Thomas. Diamondo Lenore, however you, you you break it, whoever the first one is, we're talking about starting at the four-string cornerback right now if Jason Verrett's healthy, right? If, if we throw Jason Verrett's in there. So there's a lot to prove. Ambry Thomas was playing important snaps, and now he's going to find himself in a situation where the important snaps are going to be few and far between if everybody stays healthy. So you want to be able to capitalize on this playing time early. I know it's nothing impressive. You're going against Jordan Love, not Aaron Rodgers. You're not going against... Valdez Scantling or Lazard or any of those guys. But you you have a chance to impress Kyle Shanahan. You have a chance to impress D'Amico Ryans, all that. Show them, hey, yeah, the, the, the cornerback room is deep, but I want to be that first name after the guys where everybody's talking about. And we're going to get to see like Samuel Womack, right? There's been a lot of buzz with him. He's been playing slot. There's been talk about him in camp getting better. D'Amico Ryan's even said every day he's seen progress. I like the way he's in managed coverage. He's been sticky. He's been challenging a lot of contested throws there, PBUs. So he's headed in a really good direction, just continues to get better. I'm excited. And for a guy like Samuel Womack, not a lot of people have seen him. You know, I know a lot of people got to see him at camp, but not everybody got a lot of camp time to go see him. So you're going to get to see what he looks like against another team. So this is exciting because this is the first time for sure in the history of this podcast, Jason, but in a long time, we're talking about a very deep cornerback room. And it's exciting to be able to say, hey, this is a battle for fourth, fifth on the depth chart. Instead of saying, hey, man, whoever wins between Thomas and Lenore, they're they're the second guy on week one. And that's obviously a very different conversation. So it's it, it's fun to have this conversation about the secondary for the first time in this podcast. And to be clear, not many teams have super confidence in their third and fourth and fifth cornerback on their team. It's just not how it works. Like you can have serviceable moments with them. So the idea that you would have somebody that can step in and you feel really good about, it's a novel idea, but many teams don't have that. And that's just the nature of the business. That's just like what it is. Many teams don't have third and fourth cornerbacks. When you start to get down past your starters, it's never a good thing. And that's at all positions. It's just not cornerback. Right. Like everybody talks about having a good backup. Well, how many teams have good backups? Yeah. Four. Uh, you know, like it, it's the backups are backups for reasons. And and that's the thing. So 
if they can take steps, it would ease a lot of people's, you know, worries about that room because Lenore started pretty good, kind of fell out of favor quickly last year, wasn't heard from again. Ambry played after every single corner got injured and it was out of necessity. It wasn't like, oh, Ambry's pressing for time. Yeah. Sure, he had the interception, but the NFC Championship game, he was largely timid. He was playing 10, 15 yards behind. They just literally, Odell just ran, come, come back, bang, seven yards, eight yeah. yards. That that felt like a kid who was like still trying to, don't give up anything over me. Don't give anything up over my, like they weren't going at Mosley. They weren't going at anybody else. So when they, when you look at those NFC Championship stats compared to Week 18, Week 18, he didn't get targeted as much, but they went at him and they saw that on the film. And, and that's the thing is D'Amico did a really good job of hiding him for a while. The Cincinnati game, I think he did an incredible job of throwing cover three his way, throwing um, throwing uh, other defenders his way to not leave him on islands with Jamar Chase, with T. Higgins. That is what you do to build up confidence. But the kid's got to – he's got to show it now. It, it can't be all being disguised in coverage. It can't be all <clears> – <throat> excuse me. can't be all D'Amico looking out for you. Are you going to make a player? Are you going to step up? Are you going to be a guy? So, like, I saw him at camp. He's trying to press. He's getting beat. And, and that's something, again – one or two good reps go his way in this game, he can turn it around. He can. It's not done. His career is not done. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying from what we all saw, we were playing a little game in the stands, right, when we were watching. Someone had a long catch, and we all looked at each other and said, who was that in coverage? And we all just looked at each other like, "Yeah, you know who it was. And that's no disrespect, but it's just the nature of, like, what was happening. I mean, you had to be objective. It's it's just what it is, right? Like there is no way to sugarcoat it. But I'll I'll flip it a little bit. Just you mentioned the depth, not too many teams, and let's say hypothetically the cornerback room ends up being Ward, Mosley, uh, Verrett, and then Ambry Thomas. There's not too many rooms that's fourth cornerback had has significant meaningful playing time like Ambry Thomas had. So there, there is that aspect of it for Ambry Thomas. So he, he does have the experience. Now we just need to see a little bit more of the production on the field from him. And, and this is where we'll really get to see it. Cause he might not get too many chances come regular season. Uh, moving to another position I think is interesting is, is the running backs, what the Niners do with the running back situation. Elijah Mitchell didn't practice on Wednesday, there was a good amount of snaps going around for Trey Sermon, Tyrion Davis-Price. Jordan Mason turned a lot of heads at practice. Jeff Wilson still exists. Michael Hasty. The Niners have plenty of options at running back. And, oh, by the way, this is Anthony Lynn's first game with the 49ers. We know what he can do for the running attack. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I don't want to take too much away from what the pecking order is in this game. I don't want, really want to take it away until we see what it looks like in the regular season. But it, it could mean a little bit because it feels like Trey Sermon's name is getting a little more attention each day that camp goes by. And we're talking about, yeah, Kyle Shanahan's been here, but Anthony Lynn, his first year with this team, new eyes on it. Maybe he's seeing Trey Sermon the way, in a way Mike McDaniels didn't see him, things like that. So maybe not that important, but maybe a little bit important on what the pecking order is for the running backs tomorrow. And it's going to be hard, but – we had discussed this when Anthony Lynn came in and we were talking about Trey Sermon because Anthony Lynn is an inside zone guy. And that's what primarily what he ran when he was uh, the Chargers coach, when he was at Buffalo and he took over over there. So Trey Sermon is an inside zone guru. Like that's what he ran in Ohio State. Maybe the outside zone wasn't a fit for him with Mike McDaniel. I saw him rip off many good runs and, and that's where he and TDP flourish. At the same time, I did see TDP take some pitches and actually – Put on the gas like 
I had a I had a discussion. I believe it was on Grant's show, and he said he thinks he's the fastest. He's the he's faster than Elijah Mitchell. And I pushed okay. back and I said, I don't think he's faster, but I think he gets to his fastest quicker than Elijah yes. Mitchell. His, like that that's a different that's a difference. Right? His 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 if zero Elijah, to sixty is faster. Right, like he can get to his top speed faster mm-hmm. than Elijah can, but Elijah's top speed is faster yes. than than his. So it's a good thing to have, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's faster. He's just moving in that right direction at the right time. Those guys have been really good. Jeff Wilson even picked it up. That's really good. Who knows uh, where he's at after the injury? The meniscus is is maybe feeling a little bit better. Uh, Jordan Mason has been, I keep saying, the most consistent running back day to day. You know, sure, one day Elijah Mitchell made a great run. One day, you know, TDP had a great run. One day, every single rep Jordan Mason basically took, he looked good every day. Every time that he got any reps, he was good. He may just be a cap casual. He may be a, a, a casualty of, on this team because of a number crunch. And if he goes on the practice squad, I have no doubt in my mind that someone's going to try to pick him up. I, do they put him in one of those protective spots? I don't know. This this running back room has dealt with injuries a lot, especially last year. Elijah went down for a little while. Trey Sermon went down with a neck injury. You don't want to be stuck with Hasty and 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 TDP like just carrying everything to start. I mean. You could say that Elijah Mitchell stepped right in and did his thing, and he did. He did. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about a rookie, but it's not a good feeling to just have two guys that you're not really too sure about. So who knows how they're going to do this? I, I can't speculate to the pecking order, but this is a good problem to have because in the beginning, the running back started off a little sluggish, each of them, and then it just went in a different direction as the camps went by. So how much of this has to do with the little wrinkles that Anthony Lynn's throwing in? And I think we've all talked about this, too. Trey Lance, Aaron Banks, and Trey Sermon, they all felt like they were put together to play together because of inside zone, the things that they're going to do. And and you saw that. Banks opened up a nice hole in in one of the practices for TDP. And that's the type of things that are kind of lost when people are just saying, well, Trey Sermon's cooked. You know, he didn't do anything last year. You don't cut third-round picks, especially if they're healthy and they play. So who knows what's going to happen? But I think it's a good problem to have with this running back room which literally went from something that you were concerned with early on in camp to now a strength. And I think that that's a really good thing. And I think the biggest thing I have with this running back room, especially you mentioned the depth is the healthier and deeper. This running back room stays the less Debo Samuel is going to have to do in the running game, because we we've said, Jason, we don't, as fun as offensive weapon Debo Samuel was last year, we don't want that again. We want more of the 1,400 receiving yard Debo Samuel, like receiving threat. So if this room can stay deep and can stay healthy and Elijah Mitchell's producing and Trey Sermon's producing and TDP's producing and Jeff Wilson's producing, you can save those reps for Debo Samuel for running games or passing games specific, but then every so often, the the, the less you use Debo Samuel in the run game because of how healthy the less expecting other teams are going to expect Debo Samuel to run a ball. And that turns more into a gadget play, which I think is more what Kyle Shanahan wants it to be, as opposed to Debo Samuel running out of necessity versus Debo Samuel running because Kyle Shanahan said, this is the wrinkle on this play. I'm I'm excited for this running back room. And you're absolutely right, Jason. I said, this, this might be the first time in a long time, especially in Shanahan's career where, the receiver room is deeper than the running back room. And I still think that's the case, but the running back room has definitely closed that gap over the few weeks of camp. I could definitely understand that sentiment, but as camp went on a little bit more and more, I started to feel like the running back room 
really close the gap to like where I think I can make the case otherwise. Only because Debo's still getting up to speed right now. Brandon Ayuk is tearing things up. We know that. He was the best player all through camp. You know, we had drops with Jawan Jennings. He had trouble with separation. Malik Turner seems to be like a deep threat guy. Danny Gray was inconsistent where he couldn't beat press man sometimes. And, and yeah, he had some really nice throws down the field. I mean, catches down the field. Seems like Shanahan's going to have to use him, get him in motion to get him open right now because he can't beat press man right now at this point, which was something I was concerned with that he really couldn't do because he didn't do it in college. He was a slant, slant guy, fast guy, right? So I would have agreed with you early on, okay. but I really think that, I would flip that now. I think the running back room, I can kind of set my watch now to what I know as opposed to it being Debo, Ayuk, and now we don't know after that. Like, it may be Jennings, but Jennings has struggled a lot this camp. And I don't know if it's just camp, just practice, whatever, but a lot of people just expected Jennings to come out of the gate in camp and just be firing because of how effective he was last year on third down in the red zone. Big time plays when you needed it. Taller Kendrick Bourne, that's what we've been calling him, right? Well, he was struggling to get separation. And when I'm not, I'm not telling you that he was struggling with separation against Charveris Ward. He was struggling to get separation against like Quantra's Knight and like yes. guys like, like that are back end. And, and that part, it frightens me a little bit. So I would have agreed with you early yeah. on. Like if we, like we would have started off before this and I know my three are those guys and we knew what we knew about Jennings and I didn't watch Jennings yet. I would have just said, yeah, the wide receiver room is way ahead. Now I'm not so sure. So, I mean, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, and, and everything's fluent, things change, and and I I probably with with us knowing, hey Donver, how you doing? Hey Donver, I know you're not on Twitter. I know you're not on Twitter, but yesterday everybody was talking about hard knocks, and I sent out a tweet saying, I've been rocking with Detroit since Don Burr. Forget hard Dude. knocks. So so that's and everybody was like stream legend. Shout out to Don Burr, Detroit versus everybody. Yeah, so Don it was Burr. it was good. It was good to it was good to. I'm glad that they have it because. You're a part of the 49ers Twitter family now. Yes. Like, and, and and that's it. You're just you're just here. And it and, and it all stemmed from just one week, one game. That was it. Like one one game. Right? One game. He was in here yelling at us that the, the Lions were gonna shock the world. And by golly, he was almost almost right in, right. in the most <laughs> asshat backwards way. And he stuck around. So we, we love you, Don Burr. I'm happy the Lions are getting the publicity they're getting right mm-hmm. now. Because Dan Cat, we were we were not pro dan campbell after his press conference last year at least i was i don't remember what you were uh, is, i, I was is, laughing he was cha- he changed my mind real quick no he did and that's the thing is everybody because at his initial press conference and i know we're not talking 49ers so i'll wrap this up quickly yeah. his initial press conference rubbed me the wrong way because it felt like old guy cliche football talk exactly yes you know, that like, was my like issue. For, for, Forget the kneecap stuff. That just sounds like cliche stuff. Tell me about X's and O's. Tell me yeah. about what you plan to implement. Don't give me the whole punch me. We're going to punch you back. Yeah, cool. That sounds good. It sounds like something out of a, a movie. But when I watched the episode and then I think that the tide turned when he went to the podium and cried after that loss and everybody will say, well, the coach can't cry. He cares. Yeah. And you can see that, right? Like Jamal Williams came over from the Packers where they perennially, perennially Perennially, oh what? No, no, they always won thirteen the perennial- games in a row there. Oh, now I don't know how to say. Yep, it. Nope, nope, nope. Don't even do it. Never they mind. always used to win thirteen games when he was there. That speech that he gave about "I care about you guys" and basically like the culture is changing. And what people don't understand about culture changing is it doesn't happen overnight, and it's going to take a little time. Especially, no disrespect, Don, when we're talking about the Detroit Lions. Oh yeah, it's going to take. So, it's going to. It takes a lot to turn that team around. Yeah. But 
Uh, Jason, we'll, we'll, we got one more position I got in mind, and then we can talk all the Lions to our heart consent. Yep. I, I think the obvious one right now is the offensive line, uh, in my opinion. Maybe maybe you have a different thought. And I know Trent's not playing tomorrow. I don't know if McGlinchey's playing yet. It, it's just all about what that interior offensive line's going to look like because it still feels like – I know Spencer Burford's gotten a lot of love at right guard, but Daniel Brunskill still exists. Justin School still exists. What's Aaron Banks going to look like at left guard? What's – you know, Jake Brendel, what's he going to look like at center, right? There's so many questions at the offensive line, and tomorrow's the first time. Because, like, I know we talk about the pads being put on and all that stuff, but there's still a little bit of hesitancy. The offensive line still doesn't get as well of a push because of camp, and, and you don't want to go too hard and all that. Tomorrow they can go as hard as they want against the Packers and see what this really looks like. And obviously no Trent's going to make it look significantly different. But – there's a there's still a lot of possible outcomes for this 49ers offensive line. And as I said, same kind with the running back and the cornerback situation with the depth. Tomorrow's going to be our first step of seeing what the answer might actually look like. Yeah, I'd be shocked if Mike McGlinchey actually played too. So somebody who really stood out too, Colin McKivitz was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And and that's on the heels of what he, what he did in a do or die game where he had to step in for Trent in the uh, week 18 game. So there's options. Justin School had a pretty rough camp. Yeah. Spencer Burford is the right guard. That's done. I think that's done and done, locked up. I mean, he never really came off the field. He looked very good. Center is what we're going to find out. Banks is working through some stuff, but I think they're going to give it to him as well, too. So I think that having Trent there over and over, you know, consistently getting the reps next to him is going to help a ton as well, too. So I can kind of shift my focus to just what's going to happen to center. Daniel Brunskill had issues with his snap and – Accuracy issues at times. Jake Brendel, what do we know about him? We don't know much. There's not really much on him. And so much of what this offense is planning to do centers around the center. And I hate that I just used it that way, but it's important to have a great center. Like when you yes. think about it, like, again, you know, Western Richburg offense is humming. Ben Garland comes in, steps in admirably. Ronis Grasso starts. Ooh, things don't look so good. Alex Mack is back. Okay, now look at the offensive yes. line. That's kind of what the hesitance is towards crowning this offensive line or saying whatever it is that you feel about it. Because I think we, we both had him peg uh, Brendel as a center and mm-hmm. we just said, well, they're just going to leave Brunsky or right guard. Oh, uh, not so fast. My friend, right guard is, is Spencer Burford's job. And now Daniel Brunsky, who took every single snap at right guard last year is in like a bit of a camp battle right now, or, you know, or preseason battle with Jake Brendel to figure out who's going to be the center. I wouldn't say it's concerning, but it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on and something that you're going it, to, it's going to be important. And accuracy issues on snaps with Brunskill doesn't mean that he's throwing the ball through the uprights. It can just be on timing routes, which he had, you know, which the, is in the offense. If the ball's not here and Trey can't get it, or he has to go up like this and get it, or go up like this even and get it, that can throw a timing on routes and that can allow a DB to come up on, on those throws. So that's what we mean by accuracy issues. It doesn't mean that the guy like can't hit Trey. It's just it needs everything's timing, everything's rhythm in the Shanahan offense. You need that to be on point. So that's the part that that worries me a little bit. And Jason, you you were at camp longer than I was. I think you were there what a week for it, week and a half, whatever it was. I was only out there for one day. Lo- longer than I was supposed to. You know, hey, you were having a good time. That's all that matters in my heart. Jason Aponte was having fun in Santa Clara, Thank California. You. I'm glad you said that because there was a certain person that lives in my house that didn't didn't share that sentiment. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, I, no comment. Diplomatic. No, no comment on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm You're just being diplomatic now. Stop it. But with with how the offensive line was going into camp, 
the question marks around it. And obviously camp's not the best decider on what it actually looks like. Are you more or less same amount of confidence post camp about the offensive line than you were entering camp? Where, where are you at with the feel of the offensive line? I, I feel fine about two spots. Okay. Mike and, and Trent. I know that for, I feel good about three spots, Burford, Mike and Trent. That okay. feels really good. That feels good. I feel fine. Lock those in. Right. Banks. He's had ups, had downs. Again, we can't talk patience on progress with Trey Lance and not talk about patience and progress with other people, including Ambry Thomas, who, you know, I probably said some unkind words about earlier. Um, you have to kind of go through it and how much of it is continuity. They still haven't really nailed down who is, you know, they haven't taken reps all together. So McGlinchey may take one team period. Then after that, you'll see McKibbitt's in there. Trent is, is in for one team period and then it'll be school. So, while you're trying to figure out and what the coaches are doing is evaluate who should be on this roster, the cohesiveness between the line is something that I don't think they fully have because they haven't figured out the lineup yet. So I'm going to say right now I'm a little more concerned, but okay. I do have the safety net of knowing once they get the the lineup down, I think they can figure it out, and I don't think it will no, nearly be as, an issue, as much of an issue as people believe it to be. Yeah, I, I think the more I, I think what it's going to come down to, especially when we find out who exactly the offensive line is, is just those reps together. And the more they play together, I think the better they'll get. I, I mean, I, am I concerned that that Trent, Trent Williams isn't going to have Lake and Tomlinson next one for the first time? And we might have to work on that to see what that looks like. Yeah. But over time, I think the offensive line will get better. And I think Trey Lance is going to help that just because of his ability to make plays off schedule, all that. They, there isn't a three-second timer in the offensive line's head or offensive line's head. So I, I think over time the offensive line will get better, but I think it's fair to say, hey, there's, there's still quite a bit of concerns because we don't know what it's going to look like. Jason, are we ready to talk back up quarterbacks real quick? I mean, Jason wants to – and Jason, fine name, buddy. Yeah, he, he wants to know. You guys think Sudfeld or Purdy will get more run or even maybe – Question mark. Uh, My guess is Sudfeld's going to get more run. He he's the actual backup. I don't. Maybe Purdy gets the fourth. I don't know. I don't know where he's really going to fit in. He he's going to get reps at some point. If you're a Brock Purdy fan, I got a game for you week two against the Vikings because that that's probably where we're going to get to see him the most. Because uh, I, I don't know how many. And by Jason's so excited. I, I know. I he, don't care. I promise but, you, I don't care. But uh, while, while we. I think we'll see more Sudfeld just because he is the backup. While we preach patience, let me tell you, he's not good. And Sudfeld has been much better. And some of the some of those highlights that you guys are seeing from camp, that's Sudfeld throwing that thing, man. He yeah. can spin it. He can spin it, man. So, yeah, Sudfeld's much better. He's the backup. I don't want to talk about Brock Purdy, man. I just don't. Like, he, <laughs> not, like my goodness, man. Like, I don't understand the, the, the outcry for people on Twitter, like, Oh, you'll see in preseason. You'll see what I watched. <laughs> like, what am I gonna see? Well, it, 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 quarterbacks don't magically get good. Like, you have to see flashes. I haven't yeah. seen any of those flashes. Where are the flashes, at least? Well, I got good news, Jason. We're getting to a point where the roster is slowly, slowly gonna get trimmed down. We won't have as many players to talk about. And in a few weeks here, we'll be talking about fifty-three. Hey, this won't be a game preview, Jason, without a final score prediction. Oh, oh we're go. so excited. Uh, I almost call it spring training. Preseason's weird. You get those Pretty weird much. scores. 
I'm going to go 26 to 18. I literally do not care who has the most amount of points. I'm just going to say the final score, 26, 18. The only people that are going to win tomorrow is America. It doesn't matter who is actually, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in a Niner jersey again. That's why America <laughs> wins. We get to see it that one was, more time. Run it back. That that would be electric. Like, let's say the 49ers are down the last drive and then just like get, get Jimmy out there. I can't, Go, I can't, get. I can't wait to get the redux of the meme of Jameis Winston dressing in the week he's suspended for and Jimbo just being like, what the hell are you doing? Like, we're going to get that one with Jimmy. Kyle's going to be like, why are you even wearing the Jersey, man? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, but what's, what's your score prediction? Um, oh goodness gracious. I think it's going to be some off the wall score too, like 22, 15, something 22, like that. 15. Man. Nobody yeah, cares. 15. Nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares yeah. who wins. We're, no. And Mark, and Mark, we no. joke. Uh, no, he can't because no, he, if he gets injured, no, 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 no. Like you cannot like let him, let him run his little heart out on the sidelines. Let him throw those slants. And if, you know, if, you know, hopefully somebody comes calling or whatever, but yeah, you can't let him, you can't let him run out there. You yeah, that, that's, that's why I make the joke of him dressing up in the Niner uniform because he's, yeah. he's not touching the field and, and he shouldn't. It's the smartest move. Jason, what's, what's, what's the plan? Are you, are you, or is the live happening tomorrow? I know that's a little late after what, what, what's your plan for post game? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go live right after the game. Um, for you guys that are interested in watching, uh, the stream with, me, Akash, Vish, and Rich, uh, we're doing it on Watch Playback. All you would have to do is click the link that we're going to tweet out, sign in with your TV provider. It's literally like Twitter Spaces or Clubhouse where you'll see our face, you'll see the stream, and you'll basically hear us talk as opposed to the people who are going to be covering the game. I mean, if you don't want to hear Greg Papa yell, Ayuk, Ayuk, Ayuk is on fire, uh, you know, then listen to us and you can hear. And if you've ever, ever been interested in hearing a Christman in its wild, yes. its wild habitat during a game, this is your chance. This is your chance to hear Rich Madrid. I was sit. as soon was, as Purdy comes running out, that's what you hear. Oh God, who cares? <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna say it, it's it's like the Manning Cats, but with a lot more of what the hell's Fangio running over there? Right. Man? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it was a good throw. It's just a little boring. Like that. Those are the type of things that you're gonna get, man. But yeah. So we'll do. So I'll do a. Uh, I'll do a pregame show real quick, uh, where I'll give out some of my over under picks for underdog. By the way, sign up for underdog co- promo code Aponte. Let's make some money tomorrow. So I'll give you my over under picks. Then after that, we'll do the watch playback, and then we'll we'll come right back on the channel afterwards, and we'll talk about what we saw from everybody, and hopefully we'll be talking about a health healthy game. Everybody walks out healthy, and everybody, and I hope both teams have fun tomorrow. I, that's all I can. Jason, I don't care who wins, man. They're like, <laughs> I just want everybody to have a good time. Maybe LaFleur and Shanahan will be friends again, and everything nope. will be beautiful. Nope. And maybe we could talk about Aaron Rodgers' tattoo. Like, just a good time. That's what they should do at halftime, is, like, put the boxing gloves on and let and let Kyle and LaFleur go Let's at just it. Just let it figure it out. Yeah, we'll that's figure it, it out. And, and then after that? After that, you shake hands like we like we used to do on the block. You get the boxing gloves, you got a problem. You get to the boxing gloves afterwards. We're good after that. That's it. We we worked it out. So yeah, let them let them work that thing out, man. If you want to bring ratings to the NFL, boxing tournament, boxing matches at halftime is where it's at, man. Like that's what you really need to be going to, man. <laughs> I had a joke that I legally can't make anymore. Uh, when winner of the Shanahan Lafleur fight gets Aaron Rodgers, I think that's the fairest way. To, since that's what the beef was about. <laughs> Kyle. Could you imagine the views? Kyle, I, I got my buddy on Kyle. Kyle is going to fight as dirty as possible to make Kyle, sure he gets that done. Kyle's, Kyle's going to have uh, rolls of quarters in his boxing glove just to oh, get yeah. a little extra weight behind Oh, him. yeah. 
Beautiful. Well, football's back, baby. We're 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 talking about a real game. And we'll we're already back, in season four. We'll be back tomorrow night to talk about a real football game that actually happened, Jason. So that's a little exciting as well. We're we're having fun. Hey, Jason Aponte, as always. Let's go, Niners. Enjoy your football, guys. Let's go, Niners. <laughs>